before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hey, I'm Shannon. And I'm Tracy. We are the co-hosts of Southern Mysteries. We are a couple of chicks from the sticks who explore mysteries, myths, and legends of the South. If you've ever wondered if the bump in the night was the goat man of Kentucky, lock your windows at night to keep out the Phantom Barber. Or check the weather forecast for raining eels. True story, it happened in Alabama. This podcast is for you. Join us, a couple of chicks from the sticks, as we turn over every rock, peek behind every door, and dig into every story we've ever heard around the campfire. You just might be surprised what we find. Sometimes the truth is scarier than the legend. Download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you can hear podcasts, you will find us. And be sure and connect with us on social media. Search Mysteries Pod on Twitter and Southern Mysteries Podcast on Facebook. I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. We watch Unsolved Mysteries. And find some funny mustaches. And talk about it. And rate things out of Robert Stacks. Yep. They know by now that we have no clue what we're doing. It's true. Fine. No, we are professionals. Even though we are going to a women in podcasting meetup tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we are. Where we're definitely not going to be the weirdest people in attendance. Should I bring Robbie Stacky? <laughs> I don't know if they would appreciate that. No, probably not. I feel like everyone else is going to be doing a podcast about women's health or entrepreneurship, and we are going to be there like... Judging by the Do you think this house is haunted? Or... So do you feel like your fortune turned around maybe after you saw a certain rock? How do you feel about Robert Stack? Do you think it's possible to escape from Alcatraz? <laughs> and I'll be like, get out. Take this seriously. And I'll be like, I take very few things seriously. So that's going to be... <laughs> Including this podcast. ...really hard. Including this number one podcast on iTunes. We don't even have business cards. What are we doing? Yeah. Well, no, Samantha, we, we do. We have business no, cards? No, we don't. Oh. I'm just <laughs> like, trying, where did you get them? I'm just trying to make it sound legitimate. <laughs> even okay. though we're just sitting here at my dining room table. We are talking about, we were just talking about where we should put a shelf in this room so we can have like a little paranormal library. Liz is accumulating quite the collection. I just got two books about ghost stories of Minnesota from Half Race Books. I haven't really they're looked awesome. at them yet, but they're just here in case I we need them and for reference. Read the titles and just based on the titles alone, there is something quality. called Grandfather's Hand. <laughs> the title was Grandpa's Hand. <laughs> we were both immediately like, Ugh. "I'm already scared. That's creepy. It's so creepy. Doesn't even have ghosts involved, and it would be creepy. No, <laughs> just a hand. So, yeah. so wish us luck, pretending that we know what we're doing tomorrow at our meetup. <laughs> Mac had a really good suggestion of who, I can't believe I didn't mention this on the Halloween special, who should be the new host Ooh. of Unsolved Mysteries. Let's hear it. Which does tie into your anyone from Law and Order. Okay. My theory that anyone from Law and Order, which isn't exactly corroborated by real life, since Dennis Farina, <laughs> no one Whatever. likes the Dennis Farina episodes. <laughs> Never mind that. However, I still think anyone else from Law and Order could do it. Richard Belzer, oh. who plays... Ooh. Detective Munch on SVU. It would be the best. It's actually really into like conspiracy theories and UFOs. I believe it 100%. And has written several books about them. So it seems like he's a natural. Yeah, he would actually probably want to do it. It He comes with a lot of expertise and his part on SVU is like five minutes a show. He's barely <laughs> on it. So I think he has the time. Oh, for sure. What's so funny to me about that part is he used to be Detective Munch on Homicide that started in 1990. <laughs> and then even though those shows aren't created by the same person, they were both on NBC. So he like 
crossed over to Law and Order. He's like been playing that same character for decades. Maybe he could host Unsolved Mysteries as Detective Munch. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> In character. Please do. That'd be amazing. Because I loved Homicide. That show was amazing. Yeah. Did I recently buy a t-shirt of it and no one knows what it is? Yes. Do you have a favorite Law and Order? Oh, Are you a, an original recipe? Not only am I original recipe all the way, I have a favorite season of Law and Order. Okay, let's hear it. Which I once mentioned to a coworker, and he was like frightened. He was like, <laughs> that's not how people watch Law and Order, Liz. They just like watch whatever one's on. And I was like, no, season seven, because it's the only one that has my preferred lineup. <laughs> it's the only one that has exactly that <laughs> cast where you have Briscoe and Curtis as the detectives, but then you have McCoy, and I can't remember her name right now, but not Angie Harmon. Okay, yep, yep. As the DA. And that is my preferred Law and Order lineup. And you only got that for season seven. And I just feel like the cases in that are so good. Okay. The day they took Law and Order off Netflix was a very sad day for me. It was a sad day for me, too. That was years ago, and I'm still talking about it. Do you have a favorite episode of Law and Order? <sighs> oh, I don't know that I do. I have a least favorite episode of season seven. Okay. Maybe it's not season seven, but there's one about baseball. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, is this kid pretending to be young to play, like, minor league kids baseball or something? It's, oh, I could not care less. I don't think this is my favorite episode of Law & Order, but it's the only one that comes to mind when I'm trying to think of a specific, like, can I, if I can think of a specific episode, I think it's Original Recipe. It's an episode where, like, a horse got murdered. Yes, that is. <laughs> that is Original Recipe. That is a good one. And that's based on a real case. Yeah, and I... For some reason, that's the only one I can think of right now. And I'm like, maybe that was my favorite episode. Because it's so weird. You know, it's like, we're going to investigate this horse murder. <laughs> sure, as you do. Sure, yeah. Okay. Because for insurance money or something. Yeah. Risco also had a, like, horse gambling problem. Yeah. So he was, like, the expert on that one. Yep, yep. I have a ap- favorite episode of SVU. Okay. Uh, SVU. SVU. Which... I don't know if I'm strongly in the camp of SVU is my favorite, but it's the one I would prefer. I don't watch it anymore. A lot of people think SVU is the best. No, people are very devoted. And they're very devoted. To SVU. I'm not that devoted. Everybody loves Mariska Hargitay, and I don't blame them. She's amazing. True. If she could be the new host of Unsolved Mysteries somehow. Oh, that'd be the best. Hell yeah. I'm all for it. <laughs> I really preferred SVU the first season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before Ice-T came aboard. <laughs> Liz <laughs> was not a big fan of iced tea. And it had a slightly different tone. That's Yeah, I can see. It that. was a little bit more like the show Homicide, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, they changed it. They clearly got, like, rebooted. But they used to have this rookie character that went on to be on, like, 30 Rock and is, like, the voice of chaos in insurance commercials. That guy. <laughs> he used to be this, like, rookie character that they had to explain everything to because he was so naive. <laughs> Even though he was, like, 40, right? <laughs> They'd be like, no, this is what you know, sexual assault means. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> but there's some episode of Sfu from that season about diamond smuggling. Okay. That also involves sex crimes. It's like hilarious. I think I remember that one. But there's a part where Munch like turns around in a chair and was like, are you here for the diamonds? <laughs> that, oh my God. Just thinking about it makes me so bad. The other episode of Sfu, and this kind of relates to a case I'm going to be talking about later, is there is one, this is a much later one, where... This deformed waterbed salesman has been hiding in a New York apartment for like 17 years or more, even more than that. And then he comes out of the apartment and he's like, 
monster makeup deformed. Like, his skin is all, like, blobby and melting. Like he's living he, inside the waterbeds? He, he's just been, like, somehow in this, like, busy apartment building in this busy city has just been, like, literally inside and no one has seen this guy that looks like he's half made of lava. <laughs> I don't remember this it's episode. so ridiculous that... It, it just has, like, jumped the shark so many times. It's just pure can- It's like showgirls territory. Yeah. And I, I just love it. It's just so ridiculous. I don't know. Law and Order is the best. It really is. Why don't we have a Law and Order podcast? Because it was taken and we didn't realize that Unsolved Mysteries was also taken. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Do you, that's, I don't really have any other updates. I don't have any either. I just wanted to talk about Law and Order. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. Do you want to jump into the episode? Absolutely. So you what? are going first. We are on episode 11. Yes. Season one. If you're following along with Amazon. Are we even halfway through season one yet? There's so many episodes. I mean, I guess we need to not be because we need podcast material. Forever. Right? Forever. Because we're going to be so. podcasters forever. So yeah. I mean, it's fine. Successful. But I remember looking at the Amazon list of episodes and I was like, wow, we're not even close to being done with season one. <laughs> Yet somehow we already got to the satanic cliff murder and a magic rock. Which are the highlights of the Highlights. So if you didn't listen to our last episode, you absolutely should because we gave that the most enthusiastic rating possible. Yep. Anyway, on to episode 11. It starts with an amnesia case, which if a case isn't about satanism and unsolved mysteries, Robert Stack <laughs> really, really hopes that it's about amnesia. This is the case of Jenny Pratt and her attempted murder in Carlsbad, California, in April 25th, 1997, the year my brother was born. Hey, Michael. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was the during the spring, 16-year-old Jenny, you know, was going to high school. She was hoping to become a model. Uh, she fell in love with this surfer named Curtis Croft. The reenactment where she's coming out of school. First of all, if you want to see just a time capsule yeah, of it's pretty beautiful teenage fashion from this time period. Oh, fashion in this oh episode is my A plus 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 plus. But then Curtis gets out of this like hot rod. He's in he's, this like, red kind of throws his 80s hair back. Porsche <laughs> looking like a douche. Yep. Um, he's, but he's supposed to be like sexy and all American, right? He looks like such a bully. He does. I mean, I realize that there's like a sort of American ideal. I mean, this like, is obviously not the guy that Liz and I are trying yeah. to do. So we're like, Ugh, uh, look at this dickhead. <laughs> this guy. You know he's going to shove you into a locker. <laughs> so you can see how my childhood might have shaped <laughs> who I find attractive and successful. Where I was like, oh, that guy? He looks like the worst. But it is this scene that seems like something out of like Mean Girls or Jawbreaker. Where she like runs down the stairs of the high school to the waiting sports car and jumps in and they drive. Like, did that ever really happen no. in school? No. But, um, so she at least told her parents that Curtis was 17. He was actually 24. Mm-hmm. A little creepy. A lot. A lot creepy. <laughs> Uh, he'd also previously spent time in jail for drug charges. He was a cocaine dealer. Anyway, I don't think her parents knew that. Against her parents' wishes, on the night of April 25th, she went out with Curtis. They were riding on a friend's motorcycle. He was supposed to have her back by curfew, but just before they arrived at the house, a pickup truck speeds past him in a spotlight and hits her on the back of the head with a two-by-four from a bunch of youths. Yeah. Right in the, in the back, bed, in the, the bed of the pickup truck. This is like 
dumb kids who throw rocks off overpasses. Like, it's the same thing. Yes. Like, they can't see the consequences of their actions. They don't realize that this could kill someone or permanently maim them. So they're driving past. The motorcycle is actually stopped at the stoplight, and they swing this board and hit Jenny in the head. So yeah. she is taken to the hospital. Her Didn't parents they speculate that the car might have been going 50 miles per hour? Well, Curtis said... I didn't get a good look at them because they were going at least 50 miles an hour. Which, how could he estimate that? Yeah. But when they do this <laughs> hilarious reenactment where they put mannequins on a motorcycle and then hit them with a board. And they're like, there's no way he could have been going that fast because they would have both died. Except they're mannequins. Well, they were like styrofoam heads. Yeah, that doesn't really. Like, yes, the styrofoam head flew off. That doesn't really, you know, However, represent how a human body works. However, I... I think they were not wrong, though. Like, I remember watching this episode with Travis, and he was like, yeah. I was like, if they hit her going 50 miles per hour, she'd be dead. Actually, yeah. they'd probably both be dead. They would. The fact that he wasn't injured at all, I think, disproves they were going that fast. Also, the board was found right next to the motorcycle. It hadn't been launched a far, far distance away. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you do see in the reenactment is they do it at both speeds. They do it at, like, 50 miles an hour, and then they do it at 10 miles an hour. So at 50 miles an hour, obviously, both of the mannequin heads are, like, demolished. But that doesn't really prove anything to me because they're not people. They're right. mannequins. <laughs> but the board has gone flying. When they do it at 10 miles an hour, the mannequins are just dented. But the board is right next to the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So that actually is sort of evidence, even though they were acting like the human body and mannequins behave exactly <laughs> the same. Which we're not. We're uh, not the same as mannequins. Yeah, anyway, no. they, they talked about Jenny's parents going to this trauma center and not knowing what had happened to her. And her hair is like full of blood. It's just really sad and overwhelming. Yeah. Jenny is in a coma for a while. Her parents are told she's brain dead. She's never going to recover Miraculously, she comes out of a coma. After a while, she starts to speak. After a while, she starts to walk. She partakes in very rigorous physical therapy. However, she has severe brain damage and is never going to fully recover and also doesn't remember the incident. Mm -hmm. Curtis claims that he's cooperating with the authorities, but it seems like he's not really giving them all the information. No, it seems clear to me that he knows who, who was in that truck. Apparently, he he made some sort of deal about his drug charges to get a lighter sentence, and people were mad at him for snitching. He, the day before, had had an altercation with someone where they got into a fight in front of a convenience store, and Curtis was like, I'm going to get you, watch out, whatever. And then were they attacked by someone with this board as, like, revenge or a warning to him to keep quiet? Maybe. Maybe. it's. It seems like... Look, he's, again, not the brightest bulb. It's a little bit hard to tell if he's just kind of dumb or <laughs> I feel so bad saying that I do. Well, uh, or, I mean, if, or if he's lying. Um, I got the distinct feeling that he knew who was in that truck and he wasn't going to say it. And he made these claims like, I'm afraid for my life, so I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Apparently, there was, according to Jenny's parents, there had been several instances where people claimed they were going to testify and then backed out at the last second. The people kept coming forward and then retracting their statements because they were afraid. I don't know. You can either think this is just a random act of violence where possibly drunken kids got carried away and didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at it as this is an act against Curtis Croft to try to either get back at him for making a plea bargain or to try to scare him into being quiet. And Jenny is just sort of the the accidental victim because she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
I just find it hard to believe that Curtis knows nothing about who was in that truck and that all of the kids who were in the truck, like no one has come forward to That's say. That's what's really surprising. And that is actually reminds me a little bit of the Kurt Sova case we talked about last time where this, someone knows something. Yeah. And yet no one has come forward after all this time. And uh, this is still unsolved. And unfortunately, the statute of limitations has run out. Yeah. So charges will never be brought. And that's really fucking unfair because this causes a permanent impact on Jenny's life and her family's life. Yeah. Her mom says, we still love Jenny, but we miss the old Jenny because she's not, I mean, she's permanently brain damaged. She seems like she's kind of reverted to a more childlike state. And, and I mean, Jenny is super brave. Like she talks to Unsolved Mysteries on the camera and like says, please, if you know anything, you know, I, I want to know, I wanna who, know who did. Me. Yeah, I want to know yeah. who, who would do this to me. And it's it's really so heartbreaking. heartbreaking. And it seems like it's a situation where she's going to need assistance for the rest of her life. Yep. I want to think, like, even if they couldn't bring criminal charges, if they found out who did this, if the family could, like, sue for damage. I would think so. That's actually court. a good point. Because I was disheartened to find out that the statute of I mean, they're probably never going to find out who did it. it I know. It and be, it's so frustrating because... These seem like they're just dumb kids. Like, someone squeal. Right. Well, that's the other thing, too, because the investigator said, we're only interested in the person who threw the board. So if the other people in that truck will not bring charges against. After he said that, it surprised me that no one came forward and was like, Because you can kind of imagine a situation where you're just like, with some people, you you don't really know what's happening, right? You're just like out for a good time. And then you're like, oh, shit. Right. Like, I am not I a part of this. this. I didn't sign up for this. But then you feel like you have to keep quiet because you don't... Want to get in trouble yourself. Yeah. Which, that makes sense. Especially but for kids. They're Yeah. Dumb kids that are driving around in the back of pickup truck beds, swinging boards. That's so horrible. It's, like I no. said, it's the same thing. Like, this is very violent. In the news violent. recently, there was a, a story of kids that dropped a brick off an overpass. And, like, some, some... Like, a father died with his daughter in the front seat. Like... That's horrible. And like yeah. kids are not like you need to, you need to, there needs to be consequences. And it frustrates me that there's no consequences for these, the people who did this. Yeah. If you go to unsolved.com and you read the comments, people are like fired up about this case. It clearly Especially really. Especially after you see Jenny, no one deserves to have that happen to them. Yeah. And so people in the comments are like advocating waterboarding and stuff. I'm not even kidding. They're like, we need to get to the bottom of this. Like someone knows something and they've got to confess because it's just it's like such an awful case that you you kind of don't want to live with just like, well, no one knows. I mean, I guess me is just sort of a teenage weirdo. I didn't, I kind of didn't like that they were like, Jenny was going to become a model. And that's why this is sad. It's that's like, why this is so tragic. It's like, no, this would be sad if it happened to anyone. Yeah. It's just a sad situation. But I, that's just the story of her life. And I think I'm projecting my own. <laughs> this is something that bothers me on Forensic Files, too, that when kids go missing, they're always like, but they were a good student. It's like, who the fuck cares? Even if they were failing math, it's still, it's still sad. It's still sad that that's supposed to be like this proof of them having a good character. It's like even kids who are bad at school, yeah. we deserve to find them. And that's, it's a thing, like you want to say it's just of the time, but it's actually not. Like No, that still happens. As a person who's in a million true crime Facebook groups, I constantly see news articles posted about missing and murdered women, especially. And like the, the headlines still read like that. Like, beautiful teenage girl murdered. Like... That's the only reason we care. Like, if she was, she was ugly, beautiful. then it would be somehow less sad or something. I mean, I, mean, I it's, think... It's horrible. And it still happens. The way we sensationalize things. So there's a tiny bit of that in this case. I think 
Unsolved Mysteries usually does a pretty good job of being respectful to victims, and I think they try not to sensationalize it too much. Well, but. it was nice that they gave her a voice. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They, they allowed her to speak and kind of sort of tell her story and like how, you know, she wants to know who would do something like this. And I just think it probably, it either is totally random or it's about Curtis. It, it, I just don't think it has anything to do with her. No. There at least doesn't seem to be any evidence of that. I don't think that. anyone was targeting her. Yeah. So if you're in high school right now and you're dating someone that's 24. Get out. Get out. Like Find a nerd. I know that I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about and that you're in true love and whatever, <laughs> but you should not be with someone that's 24 when you're in high school. You it's not. just, this probably won't happen to you, but it is a recipe for disaster in some way. Agreed. And there's something wrong with that dude for dating you while you're in high school. It's yep. just weird. I'm sorry. Can I say who I think should be MVM who's in this segment? Yes, please. It's the guy in the pale baby blue suit. He's the investigator. <laughs> he has jet black hair and it's just sort of like a, yes. like a hint of a mullet. You can kind of see the bottom of the mullet sticking out from below his ears. He has this like perfectly groomed black I, as night mustache. I wrote this down too because clearly he's dying his mustache. <laughs> There's no natural mustache no, that is that black. No. Like, clearly, his it's gone gray, and so he he's dyeing his hair and his mustache, and he has a yeah. bit of a mullet. And I wrote just that down as well. This The fashion in this segment is great. It's so good. I love all of it. I love the mom's blue eyeshadow. It's, I, it's pretty great. It's it's a sad case, though. Very for sure. Well, well, start it off with that bummer. <laughs> there we go. You're welcome, Five Let's listeners. talk about fraud. Yeah. Why am I getting so many frauds? You've got a ton segments? of frauds. I'm so sick of these old guys who are swindling people. Actually, this guy isn't really swindling anyone. Fate but. brings you just a lot of frauds to you, Samantha. I don't know. As long as it's not treasure, I guess, whatever. <laughs> anything. We need a t-shirt for you that says anything but treasure. <laughs> Jack Quinn made off with $1,315,000 in untraceable cash. And yet shared and none of it with us. at large. <laughs> And yet I had none to give to perhaps it's you. Jack Quinn, I am bitter about this. (laughs) So Jack Quinn is the vice president and general manager of Federal Protection Services, a company that provided security and armed guards for banks and other financial institutions. I don't understand this business at all. I don't understand why they're keeping the money in their vaults. Like, doesn't the bank do that? Yeah, that's a really... I don't don't get this business at all. I actually wrote down, because it said every day his company handled millions of dollars in cash. And I wrote down, why? Question mark. <laughs> I wrote down, this is why no one has access to cash anymore. I don't understand. If you guys, if you guys understand what this company, if it was like one of those armored truck companies that like drives the money back and forth, I would get that. Like, do banks do this where they like keep money somewhere else? Is it like a safety thing? Like, they have a security company that holds all I'm making money. this face like, what? So this is me just speculating. Like, so if a bank robber comes in, they don't have millions of dollars at the bank? It's, like, kept somewhere else? It's kept where this with other guy can with, steal it? I guess. <laughs> that's not very secure. So I don't get, I don't know. I don't understand this company, but that's what it is. So Quinn oversaw the firm's security operation. And in the reenactment, it's just really hilarious. He looks like this, like, mobster character. Yeah, he's, like, smoking a little cigar at his desk, which you know is what I think men do, but... But he has... At work? I don't know. It's It's weird. It's really weird. But funny, also. But great. Here is what happened. On 8 a.m. Saturday, April 9th, 1988, Jack gets to the office. It's a Saturday, so there's not many people there. There was a guy named Harry, whose job, it seems, from the reenactment was just to flip through pages in a binder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Liz is just taking a drink. <laughs> Sorry, See, okay. 
before the internet, you know now how jobs are basically just surfing the internet all day? Before the internet, they didn't have that, so they just had to flip, they had to go on smoke breaks and flip through binders, and that's how they filled it. Seems their like time. that's what Harry's job was. <laughs> so, unbeknownst to Harry, Quinn was packing up millions of dollars in the vault. Quinn put most of the money in the trunk of his company car. And then he put an additional 107000 in his personal car. Then he asked Harry to follow him home. He dropped off his car. He said goodbye to his wife and left to drop Harry back at the office. So complicated. It's very complicated. So Quinn then got back into the company car, which Robert Stack says now held over a million dollars and headed to the airport. Police think that he transferred the money into suitcases. And it's very unclear to me when or how he did this. Yeah, they were just like, he had transferred it in his suitcases. I was like, did Harry see this? Was this in the parking lot after he dropped Harry off? I don't really understand. They, they don't know is the answer. I think that's probably true. Anyway, the trail for Quinn goes cold at the Palm Beach International Airport. No one has any idea where he went. But naturally, Quinn's wife started to get worried later that night. The next morning, she found the $107,000 and immediately turned it into the police. Which I'm like, what was... I, like, presumably Quinn was leaving this for her. But like, yeah, I think this was like her cut. But what was she, what was he thinking? Like, my wife's just going to take this and be like, oh, yeah. thanks, husband. I, I I'll, never, I'll never report you missing. Yeah, clearly he did not understand that his wife was not a criminal and returned that in. I guess not. She also found a letter that read something to the effect of, I'm, I've done something wrong. I can't stay to face the consequences. Yeah, except that the leaving part was, was the wrong part. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's yeah. not like you committed a I mean, stealing it was part of the crime, but, like, you taking the money and leaving was the crime, so, like, your letter but wasn't no he sense. super in debt? Maybe that's what he didn't want to so face. So, that's the other thing. Maybe he was like, I've done something wrong, gotten us horribly in debt, so now I'm stealing all this money running away. Yeah, basically, this is not the first time Quinn had stolen money from his company. His wife would frequently find wads of cash squirreled away. Oh, my God, the reenactment a- of that is the best. She's, like, pulling, she's sitting in the car, she, like, pulls down the visor, and then just Tons of money falls on her. <laughs> and then is, she gets exasperated, like, oh, not again, and, like, storms this out of the car. This is my dream. That yeah. so much money falls on me that it's, like, an annoyance. That would be great. When confronted about these mysterious piles of cash, he would say that he had sold something, like a gun or a car or a property. And apparently, it wasn't weird to his wife that her husband owned property she didn't know about. Or even and cars. Was selling it. Yeah. Like, what car? Where'd it go? <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, I just trip over money all the time because I'm in massive denial. <laughs> So Quinn loved having an an extravagant lifestyle. He rented a 10-acre horse ranch, and his friends were like, how can you afford this when you only make $35,000 a year? (laughs) That's a really good question. How come your wife keeps tripping over money? (laughs) What's happening? Anyway, we learned that a few weeks before his disappearance, the IRS started going after him for a substantial amount of money. Which, of course, he did not have. And then they speculate that what he was going to do was pay off his debts to the IRS with the stolen money. Seems like a bad idea. Um, How would that work? Well, the thing of it is, is that for some reason, which never explained whatsoever, the money was untraceable. It was because they hadn't recorded the serial numbers. So this security company seems like really bad at their job. Super, yeah, or super shady. Or super shady. They had no record of what bills they had. So there was no way to trace them later. Yeah, there was no recorded serial numbers. There was no bait bills, which I have no idea what that even is. something you put in money that you think people might steal. I don't know if it's fake or what, but it's like a way of tracking it later. 
There was none of that blue dye. Yeah, that explodes <laughs> on your face. So this so, security company was like really bad at securing money, which was their only job. So I guess they were great at plan. flipping through binders, though. If you need someone to flip through some binders for you, totally. I guess they think what his plan was to like he was going to show up at the IRS with a million dollars in cash, in cash and, and they'd be like, "Here you go," and they'd be like, "Okay," and not ask any questions. And his job wouldn't go. Wait, where'd that money go? Did you just give that to the IRS? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They also speculate that Quinn was having an affair. He would often leave home at 5 a.m. and not get to work until 9.30 a.m. So they speculate that he was using that time to see his girlfriend. They think that maybe he also ran away with his girlfriend. I don't want to be the girlfriend that has to meet someone before work. At 5 a.m.? Ew. That's really inconvenient. They showed them going out to, like, a hotel breakfast or something (laughs) as their reenactment fake affair. But Uh, Yeah, it was weird. It's like, what? I have to be the 6 a.m. mistress? No, thanks. <laughs> Not like that guy seemed like such a winner anyway, but Not exactly. maybe you just want to use the was, horse ranch. Or it was all his money. He was probably giving some to her. So this is basically like an America's Most Wanted thing. They show his his picture at the Why end. Why is the only picture of him in black and white? I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Is he what a ghost? Is this? They say that he <laughs> is stocky with a tendency to put on weight. Which was a little rude. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I hope they don't say that about me when I go missing. Liz Walker, <laughs> tendency to put on weight. Keep an eye out for her and her five chins. In the update, they say that authorities believe that Jack Quinn may be, leave, may be living in Hawaii or Maryland and may be going by the name Calvin Clucky. <laughs> <laughs> so It didn't strike me how hilarious that name is until you just said it. That's the fakest name I've ever heard. But, but Calvin also, Clucky? But also I think that maybe he thought no one would think I'd pick Calvin Clucky for my <laughs> fake name. It must be real. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But they never they never found him. So there's I went and I googled it cuz there was nothing else in the segment. And first the first thing you find when you google it is like this creepy aged progressed vid- virtual photo of him that made me feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> it, was, it was like a I don't know, for some reason they put him in a wife beater in this. Sure. And he's like hunched over and looks like this like a gross old man. Sorry, old men. Well, if you're not gross, don't take offense. <laughs> True. That, that was on the Unsolved Mysteries wiki. And uh, yeah, there was really nothing more. In 1992, the FBI traced Quinn to Houston, Texas after he acquired a driver's license under the name of his brother-in-law. However, he vanished again before the FBI could pick him up. His wanted poster is still available on the FBI website. If you want to go look at it. In 2016, it seems like the FBI was revisiting some of their cold cases, including this one, because they added Quinn to their featured fugitives list. Um, But he's still at large. And he would only be 65 years old today. So maybe this is the mystery we solve. Share that money with us, Kelvin. Lucky. What? Yeah, this could be the mystery we solve. Maybe he's out there. We could go to Hawaii and solve the mystery. That'd I, be great. Yes, let's go to Hawaii and try to solve this mystery. Even though he was last seen in Texas. <laughs> or maybe he's in Maryland. Or maybe he's in Maryland. Sure. Or, you know, France. Let's go to France. <laughs> so you can Google, if you Google his name, the second thing that comes up is his FBI wanted poster. So you can go see oh. that, that age progress photo. We should have that printed or... and like posted up around town. I don't think he's in Minneapolis, but maybe he is. You don't know where he is. That's true. He could be anywhere. He could be in the witch district of Minneapolis. <laughs> he would kind of actually really stand out, I think, smoking yeah. those little cigars. <laughs> <laughs> so be on the lookout, you guys. He that's a weird. Out. That's so weird that they didn't catch him. I know. Yeah, Usually funny. they're like minutes after our broadcast. Right. 
but he's still out there enjoying. Do you think he spent all that money by now, though? Yeah, probably. On cigars. (laughs) Boy beaters. (laughs) I don't know. On on breakfasts for his many mistresses. We're having a lot. We're having a little streak of unsolved cases. Yep, unsolved. Which that is one. funny because unsolved mysteries did a pretty good job of solving cases. But it did overall, I think. But yeah. Okay. Ones. That leads us to our fourth mystery, which is an unexplained death. It is the case of Clarence and Geneva Roberts. This is a weird one. It is weird. It's got a little layer of mystery. So Clarence Roberts may have died in a fire on November eighteenth, nineteen seventy, or did he wait? <laughs> and to die a decade later in, on another, November, fire. in another fire on November 29th, this, 1980. This town is so 700 people. That's the smallest town we've had yet because the- Yeah, that's really low. The Thelma and her husband, whose name escapes me, who died in the church. Oh, yeah. Their town was 800 and something, this which is, is very small. This one's 700. Nashville, Indiana, just to be confusing. <laughs> that it constantly is referring to Nashville- but it's talking about... Which is a, a town of 700. So really tiny not town. Not the same Nashville as the one in Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Clarence <laughs> we Roberts and his brother Carson owned a hardware store in Nashville, Indiana. Clarence was a hard worker, pillar of community. I mean, community of 700, but whatever. <laughs> a few people to pick from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them were children and their pets, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so Clarence married Geneva in 1941. He put a lot of effort into the business. They got, like, richer and richer. They he had got, a fashionable home, Robert yes, kept saying. Very, fa- I mean, the nicest home in Nashville. The Indiana. most fashionable. They had three luxury cars. However, Clarence got greedy. He wanted a more upper-class lifestyle. So he had brought them into a lot of debt. And decided what would be a great idea would be to sell the hardware store and put that into, invest that into several grain elevators, <laughs> yeah. which I'm sorry, I just don't know There's not about. much else uh, yeah, around there to invest in, so you have to invest in grain elevators. I don't know how that's an investment, but okay. He invested in several <laughs> grain elevators and an apartment complex. That business makes more sense to me. However, <laughs> these were not good real estate investments, and he lost all of his money, and his own brother came to repossess two of his cars as a real low point. Uh, That occurred a month prior to his possible death. November 18th of 1970, a fire destroyed a shack on the Roberts family property. One body was discovered. It was burned beyond recognition. Oh, it wasn't their house? For some reason, I thought it was their house. Yeah, I did too. It was a shack on the property? I'm reading off of Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Oh. And they're saying a shack on the family property. It might be. I'm just not remembering. I thought it was their house too, honestly. Um, so they find one body. It's extremely badly burned. It's unidentifiable. However, they do get the blood type from it. Mm-hmm. It's not Clarence's blood type. Yes. The dead person was AB. And he and was B. He was B. They also, Clarence was a mason. He was very proud of his Masonic ring. He reached the 33rd degree of the Mason. Yeah. Which, which is, is that good? I, sure. It's a, it, they made it seem like it was good. There that was a ceremony super... where they were wearing little hats. I mean, yeah. And he had a ring. He had a ring. So he apparently wore this ring at all times, never took it off. That is found in the fire. However, it's like perfect. Yeah, not burned It has not sustained any damage despite how hot this fire was too. It was so hot that the firefighters couldn't go in. Yeah, they and the body wait, is they had just to like wait for it to burn down. A charred mass that you could almost not tell if it was human or not. Okay, so that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and 
there is sort of this debate of whether or not Clarence is dead. Uh, Geneva says, yes, he is dead. She tries to get his very large life insurance policy. That, that he had just taken that out. That he had just taken out of like more than a million dollars. However, she keeps getting denied because there is not suitable proof that he's dead. Yep. She finds one pathologist that agrees with her that it's him. However, I don't really see how that's possible because the blood type isn't his. And I'm not sure there's any other evidence to say that it is his. No. That there's no, I mean, no one knows where Clarence is. But anyway, so Geneva is expecting to get this insurance money. She doesn't. She sort of falls into squalor. She's living on the outskirts of town. She's working some job she doesn't want. But people in the town, and because this is a very small town and everybody's in her business, think that she's acting suspiciously. Yep. That she's buying. She kind of becomes reclusive. Yeah, she's not really talking to people. She sort of distanced herself from her previous friends because she's no longer living this high-class life. Mm -hmm. She's reported to be buying more food than one person would need and also a suspicious amount of beer (laughs) because she didn't drink much. Not that she didn't drink beer, but she didn't drink much beer. They said she's diabetic. Was she buying so much beer, Samantha? They were like, she's diabetic, so she wouldn't have been buying beer. Like, diabetics still drink beer. Yeah. So I don't understand why. We We don't know that she was, like, really on top of her health. Yeah, she could have been depressed. She could have been a bad after this diabetic. horrible thing happened to her. Yeah, that's, and that's not, why she didn't want to talk to people. That's and why not she just proof, wanted to drink beer all that's day. That's not proof of anything. That just is proof that the town of Nashville, Indiana. You're a bunch of gossips. Super nosy. Get it together. Yeah, they were all sticking their heads out their windows <laughs> watching her house. Yeah, uh, she was. There was reports of a suspicious man in her backyard. That means nothing. Someone once saw someone in her yard. Um, Well, the police, like, as a result of the suspicious man, like, set up surveillance in her house. For three days. (laughs) Based on what? I saw a dude. A nosy neighbor. Yeah. Who saw a dude in her yard. Which, all right, it does kind of seem like they faked Clarence's death, but also, leave this woman alone. I don't know. I'm I'm torn in both directions. I had so many mixed feelings. I was kind of on the edge of my seat, actually, on this mystery. Because it is very mysterious. People claim they hear her talking to a man that they never see. One woman. These are was, some highly nosy neighbors. Yeah. How do they hear this? Uh, yeah, I don't. She's like living on like, this land, not near anyone. And people are like, I hear her talking to a guy, but I'm not casually sure. Walking by. I'm not, yeah, I'm just I'm just walking by with a cup <laughs> held to her front door, and I happen to hear her talking to a man, but I'm not sure that man's voice is clear. It's like she's not allowed to have anyone over. Yeah, that's she kind of ha- what I thought. Like even if there was a man in her backyard, it's not a crime. Yeah, what if it's a relative? What if it's or a na- neighbor? Someone, maybe what if it's her gigolo? It's not your business. <laughs> Like, fuck yeah, off. let her hire a sex worker. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's evidence of nothing. But didn't they, wasn't there, like, some evidence that they may have found, like, a homeless person in a bar that was vulnerable? Yes, okay. So, but, but before that, I want to complain about, she had a co-worker who dropped her off at her house four times and was super offended she was never invited in. <laughs> You're that's, just dropping her off. That, don't get invited like, in. Uh, that's how we do things around here. It's just common courtesy. I was like, I bet she was... She probably just wants to go home. She wants to go home. She wants she, to take a bath. She maybe doesn't like you. <laughs> it seemed like she was not very, you know, proud of her change of circumstances. Maybe she didn't really want you seeing her house. Yeah. Also, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> if this woman's husband really died and she's... Gre- like, 
why aren't you going to invite me in so I can be nosy and tell everybody what I saw in your house? That's oh, why yeah. she's sad. Yeah, she absolutely knows that that's what this woman wants to do. Yeah. She just wants to gossip. Yeah. And she's like, I thought we were friends. Why doesn't she invite me in? I was like, go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're awful. <laughs> um, but there was evidence that Clarence had befriended a quote-unquote derelict. <laughs> a vagrant. A vagrant also. at this bar, which is another word for a human. So he, yeah. he met a person at a bar, uh, quickly befriended him. The guy sort of like staggers out of the bar like he's going to fall down. And Clarence said, I'm going to take him to the hospital. I love that they said he collapsed for unknown reasons outside of the bar. I think they were trying to. Are they to, known reasons? Like he was drunk. Like it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were trying to imply that Clarence had drugged him. Okay. I, but. Yeah, okay. Maybe. There's no evidence of that. I thought they were in a bar drinking. He might have just been regularly drunk. He stumbled drunk. out of a bar, and then Clarence, for really no reason, was like, I'll take him to the hospital. But then he never showed up But the then hospital. there's no record of him being admitted to any hospital. So the theory, and no one knows who that man was. So the theory is that Clarence murdered this man that was in town temporarily, that didn't have any ties to anyone, that maybe nobody would know was missing, and that he burned in the house is the theory. Because later, about a decade later, so November 29th, 1980, Geneva's new house burns down (laughs) and Clarence's body is found again, as well as Geneva's. And it is a clear case of arson. So Turpentine? Yeah. They decided that turpentine was used to start the fire. So they talked about- Which arson investigation- not that side. Boring. Also. Well, it's, it's also boring. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. No, it's not. It's really, it seems like a lot of guesswork. It is based a lot on of the guesswork. TV that I've watched. It's a lot of like, <laughs> it's almost more of an art than a science. And a lot of arson investigation doesn't like really actually hold up to scientific scrutiny. So I'm always suspicious when they say that we determined beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was. That the fire had set been set this way. Yeah. I mean, this one did kind of seem like. It was a set fire. I mean, but it seems a little too coincidence. I mean, this is the second fire. time one dude has died in a fire. So that's not normal. No. <laughs> but, um, but this time, Geneva also died. So they, Unsolved Mysteries talks to people who are convinced Clarence died in the first fire. Convinced he died in the second fire. And convinced that he's still alive. Those are the three camps, rule, camps of thought. There is a grave. Clarence Roberts has a grave. People are like, no, that's not his actual body. This it, is his actual body. It seems like the official police ruling was that he, Clarence died the second time. That's what I would point to. Because his blood type isn't the same. Mm-hmm. The first body's not him. I realize his brother, I think, was the one that was saying, I'm convinced he died in the first fire. Mostly because he didn't want to believe his brother was a murderer. Yeah. What's weird to me is that they're, the police assert, like, Definitively, they said Clarence died the second time. But they never, like, definitively say the first person was murdered. It did seem like they kind of didn't care. That, if, yeah, exactly. If, That's he, the if he murdered a quote-unquote vagrant. Yeah, they were kind of like, oh, it was just a derelict. Who cares? Yeah, so shame on them for that. The mystery then is who set the second fire since Clarence and Geneva both died? Mm-hmm. Did they set it themselves and they wanted to die? Or did someone kill them very confusing this case is unsolved again uh we don't know it's weird it's very weird and i wish they could like exhume clarence this like second clarence's body and dna tested or something but it didn't seem like that's been done 
it's possible they killed themselves because they wanted their children to actually get the insurance money since Geneva wasn't getting it as was their plan. But Maybe that's it. I didn't realize they had children. Yeah, they only talked about it when they talked about that theory. Oh. So. Because they weren't interviewed or anything. No. Who was the woman that was like, Clarence was the worst? The woman with like a beehive. I think that was Geneva's mom. Okay. Because she was like, she was like, oh no, he was capable of murder. She was like. She she, was the one who was convinced that he's still alive and out there. Yeah. Because she like full on hated him. Because his brother was like, no, he was this nice guy and he helped me with the hardware store and he was such a pillar of the community. I don't think he would commit murder. And then they like cut to this woman that was like, nah, uh <laughs> He was a cold-blooded killer. That little montage was pretty funny. It's weird to see such disparate views of one mm-hmm. set of circumstances. Yeah. And it is a mysterious, weird case. This is a very... Uh, like quintessential unsolved mysteries, I feel like uh-huh. to have one body I wonder if from two any fires, Reddit and then articles. that oh, there is. <laughs> Weirdly, this case. So some cases that are up on Amazon for unsolved mysteries aren't on unsolved.com. Oh, Weirdly, okay. this is one of those cases, and I don't really know what that means when they don't hmm. summarize a case. Um, it is on the unsolved mysteries wiki if you want people's names and dates and such. Since it's unsolved, I didn't really delve too much deeper sure. into it but there's there's a lot of theories <laughs> sure if you want to go speculate about what could arson patterns and yeah. how it could have been his body in the first fire and geneva's secret lover in the second fire and stuff <laughs> like that yeah it's that's a, it's a weird one huh. it is weird it is weird it is unsolved and geneva's one co-worker seems like a bitch <laughs> That's really the takeaway. That's really my takeaway. Oh, and that pathologist that was like so convinced it was his body from the first fire then identified him in the second fire and was like, so that's kind of funny too, where he's like kind of had to eat crow. Yeah. Because he had been testifying at the insurance trial saying like, no, give Geneva her money. He's dead. And then she was like, no, this is actually clearance. Whoops. Oops. Yeah. So it's a good one. So last mystery and it's about good old fumbles. <laughs> Best nickname ever. Oh my god. Robert Stack opens this segment by saying, This fella has succeeded in robbing 30 banks almost in spite of himself. <laughs> Authorities know him <laughs> as so fumbles. mean about it. Robert Stack is super mean about it. So they start out by saying that this mysterious robber hits small suburban banks, usually in outdoor shopping malls. And that besides a cap and gloves, he has another distinctive trademark. They interview a detective who says that this guy was given the nickname Fumbles early on because in the first robbery, when he came in, he got inside the bank, drew his weapon, and then immediately tripped and fell. The weapon flew from his hand and he had to scramble to pick it up, at which point the detective says that he proceeded with the robbery. Yeah, he's still robbed. I guess at that point you have to still rob the bank. I guess. But I would just You're be like, now. this is not meant to be. Sorry, this is guys. not my Sorry. line of work. Sorry. This Sorry is not a real gun. Gotta go. <laughs> the reenactments from this segment are so funny. You have to watch Perfect. this episode just for the fumbles reenactment. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's just that. Constantly. It's so good. Robert Stack says that in a second robbery, Fumbles had trouble keeping his mask in place. And then they show a reenactment of a guy at the counter having to pause from shoveling money into the sack and use his free hand because his other one is holding a gun pointing it at the teller. 
and like pull his bandana up because it keeps slipping off his face. He's like, why don't I have more arms? <laughs> the woman behind the counter is like, ugh, this dumb guy. I, everybody seemed like so annoyed by him. <laughs> like not scared, not just like, that one woman was like, oh, I woke up in my my bed two nights later like, my God. I could have died. I could have died. My children. But everybody else seemed to be like, this fucker. Yeah. How is he getting away with this when he's so bad at robbing banks? <laughs> A month later, he dropped some money on the way out of the bank and had to stop and, like, pick it up before he could get, a, this would be get me away. If I was, like, cause, yeah, That's exactly what I thought. If I robbed the bank. If you're holding a gun on someone and you're holding a bag, you have to get the teller to put the money in the bag. That's why they're always like, put the money in the bag. Right. You can't do it yourself. I you- wish you could see Liz right now. She has her one hand in a gun, like with her thumb up and her pointer figure out. <laughs> her other hand is holding an imaginary holding sack money of money. Sack. How do I get the money? You have to get, you have to make the teller do it. Yeah. Also then maybe they're not pushing that secret button. Right. Robert Stagg says, the police admit to a certain amount of amusement <laughs> at their adversary's clumsiness. I admit to a certain amount of amusement too. But that 30 armed robberies are no laughing matter. I mean, it kind of is. Sort of. They interviewed a few ladies who were tellers, like Liz said, who were robbed by fumbles and described how. That woman was so cute Oh my god, the woman, especially the one who wanted her face like blacked out and like fuzzed out, it was like layers of secrecy. You'll never know. Fumbles might come for her. <laughs> yeah, like, I, lady, he's probably not. I would. He was not, after the money, not you. Like he's I not gonna come. Not, I would not be worried about fumbles. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we should give instead of giving criminals cool names like the Night Stalker, right? Which makes you sound like. A badass, even though he was the worst person ever. The chubby behemoth. Yeah. We should should give criminals demeaning, stupid nicknames. So Like fumbles. Like fumbles. So no one takes them seriously, and then maybe they won't want to do it. Let's shame them into leaving their lives. Criminal justice reform. Liz has got it figured out. (laughs) Start calling people the chubby behemoth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because if you call someone something cool like the Night Stalker, then... Yeah, it sounds like a you know evil movie villain. Yeah. So that's it. They, this was like America's Most Wanted thing I, I was sad. I wish this segment was longer. It's so it's short. So I could have used at least another two minutes of Fumble's reenactment. Yes. Because it's like watching a bloopers reel. So funny. If you... I don't even know if they still do those like funniest things caught on tape <laughs> specials <laughs> they used to have on Fox that were all these sorts of things like... People robbing convenience stores and falling down. It was just like, like pushing when they should pull on the way out whoa, of the gas whoa, station. Whoa. Yeah. It's just like things caught on security cameras of like criminals being like slipping on something. And dumb criminals, yeah. And that's fumbles. It is fumbles. So they quickly cut to an update that says the fumbles robber has been captured. <laughs> Finally, we were all living in terror. Within minutes of the broadcast, a Clearwater, Florida police department received a call from an Unsolved Mysteries viewer who recognized fumbles as Ross James Preston, a 23-year-old student living in Clearwater. On May 24th, 1989, FBI agents, Clearwater police officers, and Pinellas County Sheriff's deputies arrested Preston while he was test driving a pickup truck. Inside the vehicle... <laughs> Which is also kind of funny. Yeah, they found... Most uh, innocuous thing. He's not, like, in a secret criminal lair or counting his money. He's, he's just, just like, oh, I think I might take this for a time. I guess he's probably spending his bank money. Yeah, he's probably buying the pickup truck. So they found a hat that was, like, a cat. like the Sure, the 
Caterpillar tractor yeah, company. Yep, had it on it, and he was seen wearing that hat in surveillance video of Fumbles. Fumbles. They also Should found, I throw that away? They found a suit that matched one that he had worn in a robbery and a pair of gardening gloves, some sunglasses. It's no, clear yeah, to me. robbing places and gardening This is why gloves. he fumbled so much. Could you imagine trying, you can't do anything you that can barely requires gar- dexterity You can barely garden in gardening gloves. No wonder he dropped all his money. Fumbles. Yeah, first mistake was wearing gardening gloves. The second mistake is wearing a hat that could be easily recognizable and then keeping it with you. Yeah, he should have gotten... This is the robber's hat. I feel like there are a lot of those Caterpillar tractor hats out there, but you don't want want one. If you're (laughs) robbing banks in it, get rid of it. Yeah. Fumbles. You wear your fake mustache and then you throw it away immediately after your robbery and then the next time you get a new disguise. Yeah, you get one of those... um, It's not hard to figure out. Yeah, you get one of those Reagan masks and you go... (laughs) Rob banks and that, or oh, whatever. That would be scary. So he later confessed to all the robberies, but as part of a plea deal, he was only charged with seven. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison. He served 13 years and was released. I tried to find him on Facebook. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Yeah, there's a lot. His name is what? very common. Um, What kind of prison do you think he was at? Like a bad one? Only 13 years? Nah, probably not. Yeah. Well, I don't know that he really learned his lesson, but. Oh, probably not. He's probably out there fumbling through other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he is um if only his Facebook profile was like Fumbles Preston, then I would have been able to find him. Then you would find him and he can talk about how he's actually really worked on his coordination and dexterity. <laughs> Despite what unsolved mysteries has to say about me. <laughs> uh I mean it's just they a classic. Were not very nice to fumbles. No, and that's why I'm not nice either. Well also he's a bank robber. Do I have to be nice to him? No, not really. No. There used to be, I used to work at the small art museum in New Mexico, and there was like a little bank down the street, and w- during the three years I worked there, it got robbed two or three times. <laughs> like, I felt like I kept coming to work, and all this, like, the area would be all blocked off by police cars, and people would be like, yeah, the bank got robbed again. It was getting robbed on foot. <laughs> And it, not even a getaway car? That's no. how confident they were they wouldn't that be That made me go, like, why haven't I robbed that bank? <laughs> Because apparently it's, I don't think they caught any of those people. And it might have been the same, like, each time that person ran out of the money, I'll just go rob that bank again. (laughs) Okay, let's rate this episode. So, mysteriousness. I feel like the Clarence Geneva Roberts place is pretty darn mysterious. Yep. Um, So your first one was mysterious in that we don't know who did it. Yeah. Yeah, a decent level of mysteriousness. Fumble's not mysterious. My two were just, like, most wanted. Like, Yeah. I, I still, I feel like someone being burned twice is so mysterious. That kind of makes up for that. So I'll still give it a thumbs up. Thumbs up for me, too. Reenactments. Oh, I love oh, me. Reenactments. Ah! Okay, we have fumbles, which alone is worth it. I just wish there had been more. It wasn't, a, maybe keep it short and sweet. But and even though the recreation of, like, the mannequin heads wasn't technically a reenactment, it was so funny. It was really stupid. And so dumb and so not, not scientific. No. That it's worth it to watch that. I too. like that we kind of act like we know about these things just from watching. Like a lot of forensic files. But also just like common sense tells you that that's not scientific. <laughs> yeah. It's not a one-to-one comparison of a mannequin and a Is human head. Is my head the exact same like density and everything as a mannequin head? No. So. <laughs> but uh, so reenactments. A plus. Thumbs spot. Way up. Fashion is our next category. Oh, I loved the fashion in this one. So good. Especially your first one of all those teenagers. So much big hair. Yeah. 
a just lot like of teased big hair. to death. That hair. Jenny's big hair when they yeah. interviewed her was sky high. It was yeah. great. It, she looks like someone from like um, a White Snake music video. She does. Which <laughs> I'm not even saying that to be mean because that was probably her goal. I think so. Like that was the look. Yeah. And she was really achieving it. She did a great job. She looked like a babe that would be on the the you know hood of a car in a calendar. She probably would have gone on to do that. Yeah. Um, Robert Stack's outfits. Oh, we were thumbs up, I think I can say. Oh, yes, definitely. Absolutely. MVM is definitely that guy with the pale suit. Yeah, Mr. Mullet. With his uh, dyed mustache. Mm-hmm. Robert Stack's outfits. He wore a suit in everyone. Yeah, it was just boring. It was boring. So thumbs down. Robert Stack, step up your game. I, yeah. I mean, he's dressed like well, but it's unremarkable. And then how are you going to rate this episode as a whole? We can give five Robert Stacks for the most. We can give zero Robert Stacks for the least. I feel like this is a solid episode. I enjoyed it. Your mystery, actually both of yours were mysterious. One of them is sad and one of, they're, and one of them's pretty mysterious. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit sad. I'm not big about the con man one, but Fumbles is hilarious. Fumbles. I, I don't, four? I'm at a four, Robert. I actually wrote that down. Four out of five Robert Stacks is my record. Yeah. It's just, it's a solid episode. It's definitely worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a little, you know, it's a good variety of mysteries. I don't know that I care about the fraud one so much, but the fact that he wasn't caught is interesting. That is interesting that he's still out there and that that worked. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like it. that, like his plan was literally just take money, go away. His plan was not that great. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. So. It's amazing that he hasn't been And caught. if Fumbles had maybe robbed a few less banks, maybe he would have gotten away with it too. Yeah, maybe. Maybe if he had been so, better at it. Maybe if he hadn't been Fumbles. <laughs> so do you have a recommendation for our listeners? I do. I wanted to recommend the Chicago Surgical Museum. Which I feel like. I'm immediately excited Is something this. that the Perhaps It's You listener would be interested in is it the mutter museum the famous museum of medical oddities that i've never been to and it breaks my heart i haven't seen it we need to go there no it's not of that caliber at all however if you're in the chicagoland area if you find yourself visiting with a spare couple hours definitely check out the surgical museum it's a smaller medical museum i went what kind of things can you see there maybe a year ago it has like a weird like many smaller museums, I feel like different rooms were put together by different people. Okay. So sometimes you're in a room that has a ton of text. Like, there's so much information. And sometimes you're looking at a cabinet of skulls, and there's literally not a word. <laughs> and you go, why are these skulls here? <laughs> I don't know. So it's it's quirky and fun. Uh, they have a great room of, like, old-timey medicine that's, like... Ooh. The bottles of cocaine and stuff <laughs> that you used to get for the pharmacist. They have a section of quackery stuff, which you know I love, which yes. is the violet rays and like the weird fraudulent x-ray machines and whatever. Think cure-alls. Sounds amazing. There's strange like arm prosthetics. Like one is like a giant pincher. Oh. <laughs> like stuff like that. There's like a display of that. Okay. The f- one thing that really did gross me out was... A giant, like, fishbowl of kidney stones. Oh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Gross. So it's just weird stuff. Like, they had, like, an ancient Roman. Oh, this is actually, this was the thing that was the most disgusting. They had, like, ancient Roman medical devices, including an ancient Roman speculum. Ooh. That did not have a single smooth surface on it. Oh, God. 
And I was just staring at it in the case. I was there with my friend Megan, and I was like, could you read the description for item three for me? I And tell me it's not what I think it is. Because it's just like this. And I realized it was like at the bottom of the sea or something, so it's all rusted. But there's just like seriously nothing smooth on it. And it just looks like it had almost like a crane. Oh, my God. Oh, God. It's the stuff of absolute nightmares. But don't you want to see someone, imagine someone using a giant pincher as a hand. Yeah. It has like all these hooks. That you can great. use for hands and stuff. It's just really a funny, strange place with sadly a very tiny gift shop. They should expand. I would buy like anything that said oh, so would I. Chicago Surgical Museum on it. They cool. have a weird room with like an animatronic mannequin guy that's set up like a fake old pharmacy. So you can like pretend you're going to the pharmacy <laughs> to buy, I don't even know. Elixir? Yeah, weird cough elixirs and <laughs> other things that didn't work. Things that were just like brandy <laughs> people pretended were medicine but it's like set up like a oh my shop that reminds me and this is totally an aside but my friend Sarita and I went to Peru last year and we both got sick like with horrible colds while Ooh. we were there she actually at one point thought she might have pneumonia that's oh how God. bad it was like we were coughing that's and the worst when throats. you're sick I mean, was, when you're traveling. Yeah, it was awful. really bad. So we were so desperate at one point for cold medicine that we just walked into this Peruvian pharmacy that was not like in the touristy area. It was like a normal, like where normal sure. Peruvians go. The woman behind the counter spoke zero English. We spoke very little Spanish. We had to like pantomime our symptoms. So we were like, ah, ah, ah. She brought out this stuff that was like called anti-gripo or something. And it was just these giant horse pills of like cough medicine, which we took not knowing what, what it was whatsoever. Did it work? It worked so fucking yes. good. I, somehow I knew it you were going to say that. It literally got rid of my all my cold symptoms immediately. We took it the entire time we were there. We were actually sad that we we like wanted to go get more and smuggle it home so we could take it for the rest yeah, of our lives. Yeah, I want it. It worked so I'm good. I'm sure. Better than any cough medicine I've ever had <laughs> in America. I don't know what was in the shit, but it was so good. Yeah. So if you're in Peru, pick up some anti-griefo and, or whatever and, it was. Yeah. I'm not saying. Stock up and send me some. I'm not saying send us some, but you know, maybe send us some. Yeah. Because it sounds great. Like the worst idea ever. Like you don't, can't even read the ingredients. It's all in Spanish. <laughs> Whatever. We're, like, we're so desperate. It we worked. took two. Yeah. It worked great. But anyway, sorry to get no, off track. I don't, I don't have a ton more to say about the Chicago Surgical Museum. It does have like a really cool old library, which I know they, at least when I was there, they were looking for volunteers to help them catalog their cool, creepy old medical books. Oh my goodness. You can also rent out the museum to get married. Let me write this down. <laughs> so <laughs> please someone do that and invite me. There is one like skeleton by the front entrance, like one full human oh, yeah. skeleton. Does so, it have a big sign that says skeleton? Yeah. Like the like the Minnesota Science Museum <laughs> just said mummy. mummy. Like, I wonder what's behind this oh, wall. A mummy. Oh, um, look, oh, look, a mummy. I like to think that you could somehow incorporate the skeleton into like your vows. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they'll can let you the do that. Can the skeleton officiate? Yeah. Can you just like have your minister or whatever stand behind the skeleton and act like the skeleton's talking? Can you hold the skeleton's <laughs> arms? We are gathered here today. <laughs> um, this podcast has gone off the rails. <laughs> so if you can't go to the Chicago Sur- Surgical Museum because you're not in the area or whatever, do just like check out your town and see if there is any weird little museums because I feel like a lot of times there are 
small museums that specialize in something strange, they don't have the money to, like, advertise and let you know that they're there. Yeah. So just, like, look around. Like, there is, I want Samantha and I to go to, I can't think of the name of the museum, but there's, like, a Mary Shelley exhibit somewhere in town that we need to go check out. I'd love to go to that. Yeah. I think it's geared towards children, but we should go anyway. I still want to (laughs) go. There's, yeah. I don't, if for just, like, a different museum experience, go find the weird... Museum in your town. Museum in your town that's just been, like, set up by volunteers. Yeah, or your town has a claim to fame, right? And they have a little tiny museum. Yeah. About whatever that is. I feel like those get neglected. And if you want to go somewhere where, like, people are happy that you show up, right? Like (laughs) They're so excited to see you. The person that's selling you the ticket at the Field Museum is just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) You know, get in that huge long line. But the person at the Surgical Museum. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. So my recommendation is totally different. Good. It is two Instagram accounts. Okay. And if you follow us on Instagram, where perhaps it's you, you probably already follow these accounts. But if you don't, get on Instagram, follow us first, and then follow (laughs) Unsolved Mysteries People. Oh, that's a good one. And Unsolved Mysteries Gifts. Yep. I realize it's pronounced GIF, but it's a G, so I'm going to say GIF. I say GIF. Don't write us hate mail. Yeah, Unsolved if, Mysteries if that's people. the thing you hate most about this podcast, wow. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. We don't need you. So Unsolved Mysteries people is so funny. It's, so it's just screenshots of people from Unsolved Mysteries out of context, right? It's just like their yeah. picture and then whatever Unsolved Mysteries said about them. So their name and like their title or whatever. Yeah. Vic, you know, victim's mom, you know, things like that. And just scrolling through your Instagram feed and seeing, it's like a time capsule, right? It's, it's like these people with big glasses and big hair and blue eyeshadow. Yeah. And some of them are just so funny out of context. They'll be like, tr- you know, Wilbur, treasure hunter, right? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they'll throw in some of the wacky ones. Like it'll be like a really dark picture of like some, and like, and, like a hand. And it'll say, like, voice of Kathy, right? Because she didn't want to show her face. (laughs) It really is a, like, a great cross-section of America, I want to say. For the time period? Yeah. It's just so... It's a treasure, really. It really is. The The type of treasure Samantha likes. Yeah, the person who runs this account is a hero. I agree. And They deserve a MacArthur Grant and a Medal of Freedom. (laughs) But I also adore Unsolved Mysteries gifts. They're so good. They're just snapshots of a few moments of the funniest parts of the reenactment. This episode made me think of it because I I know I've seen fumbles on Unsolved sure. Mysteries gifts. You know, it's just the, a, the, the money falling out of the... I've seen that one, yeah. The visor. The visor in the car. I've seen the the driving and hitting the, the mannequins with the board. The, the mannequin yeah. head flies off, right? They have a gift yes. of that. And they also do funny captions. So there's one of like a police dog walking and the caption is in all capital letters, mystery, who's a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I wanted a joke right there. I know. Perfect. So they do funny captions with the, I I kind of suspect that Unsolved Mysteries people and Unsolved Mysteries gifts is run by the same person or at least their friends. Very possible. Because the, like the captions often have the same tone, like snarky, sarcastic tone. It's it's so funny. And it just brightens my day when I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed. So Uh, I highly recommend. That's a very good recommendation. Yes. Yeah. They like the episode one where the woman falls off the horse. Like that's a gift. Oh yeah. Right. The reenactment. She pushes her off. (laughs) She just flies off the horse. Yeah. So so funny. Go scroll through that feed and you'll probably see a lot of the things that we've talked about in the funny, the funny things we find in the reenactments. Everyone else finds it funny. And this person running this Instagram yeah, account see, takes we're not, little snapshots. We're not weirdos. No. Yeah, this, this other person finds it funny too. 
<laughs> we're totally normal. We're totally see? normal that we do this. They have more followers than us, which I'm not bitter about, but. <laughs> <laughs> they'll have even more now that you've recommended them. Samantha. <laughs> no, go the follow The power them. of our great. recommendations. I think they might also be on Twitter. So go check them out. I'll just remind people that if you are need a reminder of things we've recommended, if you're trying to find yeah. these links, I have been updating the website. Perhaps it's you.com. There's a recommendations page. Liz does such a good job on our website. It is, really if you look don't. at our website and you're impressed by it, it's all Liz. <laughs> no one has had that reaction. But I'm impressed by I've it. I put our recommendations was, up there so you can find the books and podcasts yeah. and Instagram. Listen, if feeds. I was running our website, it would look like from the, it was from the early 2000s. It would be like glittery, sparkly dogs. A uh, hamster dancing? Yeah, the screen. <laughs> hamster dance? Liz um, was like, no, we have to look professional. I, I, no, now I'm kind of sad we don't have that. <laughs> We don't have like dancing clip arts and a song and like five different fonts and neon (laughs) colors and something scrolling at all times. There's no ads. That's true. You can see our page ad free because we're. And you can see lots of photos of us and our alien rubber saggy by Stephanie where we somehow look amazing. Yeah, go check out. You can also listen to all our podcasts there, of course. That's Um, true. Check out our recommendations Oh, yeah. That's the real point of our website is for the podcast. But I do keep track of our recommendations in case you're looking for something we've talked about yeah. previously. You forgot, you know, the book we talked about or whatever. Yeah, you go don't, check out that you're page. like, what, how, which podcast was that? Do I have to go back and listen to all of these? No. Nope. They're Just all on Check there. out our, it's perhaps it's you.com. Yes. That's all we have for you? Yeah. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Perhaps It's You. You can send us a note at Perhaps It's You podcast at Gmail. Tell us about your haunted house, your yeah. UFO. Tell us all of that. That time you got abducted. We're still looking for stories from minisodes, so send them in. We might read them on air. Someone's mom went to prom with Robert's deck, and I fucking want to hear about it. Yes, that would be the best. <laughs> I need to see those photos. <laughs> oh my god, they would be so good. Yes. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. Write us out of Robert Stacks. Hopefully, I'm assuming you'll give us five out of five. Yeah, only write a review if you're giving us five out of five Robert Stacks. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not interested. I love, I've said this before, I've realized, but I just, every time I look at our reviews and so many people are saying five out of five Robert it's, Stacks. It's like, yeah, that's a thing. It's so funny. And I assume It's all not these something people, we just made up. That's totally a, a system of measurement. I assume all these people are going out into the world and being like, oh, this is a fucking great Starbucks latte. Five out of five Robert Stacks. <laughs> it's like on is this <laughs> system it's like no we don't do stars anymore we're at the olympics next year they just, yeah. they just hold up faces of robert stack <laughs> the russian judge says five out of five robert stack that that's when we know this podcast has made it yes. that and when we solve a mystery yep get out there and solve a mystery yeah, guys. solve some mysteries people bye. don't slack bye